Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Rogue Report Exiles podcast in association with Hawks Breweries. I'm Brett Lyons Davis from Milton Keynes, and today on the pod, we'll be talking about the lads hammering Wickham 4 0 in putting on the best performance for years at Stadium Alight. We look forward to, well, my closest game of the season, MK Dons Away. I also caught up with Glenn Hutchinson from the Greater Manchester branch. They're playing, playing away, of course. And also, not forgetting your letters. This week, I'm joined by Michael Dunn from Dublin. All right, mate. How's things? Yeah, well, I'm very good, mate. How are you doing? Good, sure. We're winning games. Love Ireland's back on telly. I can't complain too much. Double bubble, mate, isn't it? You've got it all going on. Absolutely. Um, there's Danny Roberts in Lincoln. Afternoon, evening, everyone. How are you, mate? You well? Yeah, not too bad. Just Man. finished work and happy. So it was really cheery today, isn't it? It's brilliant. Aye. And also uh, John Stacey from Lincoln as well. How are you, John? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you, Brett? You all right? I'm good, mate. You literally brought everybody down just then, though. Yeah, I haven't really got a, a nice thing to say. I haven't managed to catch Love Island yet, so I'm in a bad mood. So. Oh, that's fair enough then, mate. Um, well, let's jump right in. So, um, John, what did you think about that 4-0 win over Wickham that I predicted midweek? Yeah, that was that was amazing when you said that. <laughs> Tongue in cheek sarcasm. Oh, when we batter them four nil and then you actually it come true. It was lovely. Not gonna even try and be sarcastic and say it was a poor game. It was lovely to watch. It was brilliant. I don't know where to start really. There was lots of nice positives. I think the formation seems to be starting to gain momentum, start to feel more comfortable with the players. The fitness has definitely improved as we've all sort of seen and commented on. I think quite a lot of people are aware that that's definitely improved. One thing I noticed this Saturday I thought that was brilliant was not so much on the left but on the right for sure. You had Jordan Willis banging forward and sort of helping out with Luke and I and, and whoever else was sort of out on the wing and he was actually a big part in Hume's goal and you know he gets a lot of criticism Willis for I guess things he does, things he can't do, things he can do sometimes but he's got a player in him. He definitely seemed on Saturday like he's relishing it. My favourite thing of the day has got to be uh, Charlie White's performance though. I know he's a bit like Marmite for a lot of people but I've been somewhat of a Charlie White fan I suppose even when he's been playing badly because I think you see things in players and you see that what they're trying to do and what they've been told to do and certainly the fitness thing is paying off with him like being fully fit. He, he was all over the place on Saturday. He was holding the ball up pretty well. He's bringing people into play. I think he works really well with those people around him so those sort of like 
I guess those two number tens, you know, that Gooch and Maguire have been sort of playing like. He's always got someone buzzing around him and he's always able to lay a ball off. So, yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing was Charlie White's performance and he deserved to get a goal based on his performance plus his previous sort of one, two, three maybe performances over the last few games. So, yeah, all in all, really positive. Nothing bad to say, really. So, Michael, I'll, um, I'll pass to you because I think my last pod was just in the November and at the time we, we both kind of agreed um, and actually Danny was on there as well where at the time we should give Parkinson more time, give him you know the January window and then December happened and I think almost unanimously everyone's opinions changed completely and that Parkinson should go. And as you rightly said, you know, you, you know, we've all had humble pie. You know, he's has turned it around. Hopefully, it will continue. But for yourself, what what do you think's changed? Have you got, you know, could you can you put your finger on what what's been different now to four weeks ago? Definitely, first thing first, uh, humble pie being eaten all around, especially with me. Uh, if you looked at my tweets in, in on Twitter in December, is absolutely Parkinson out. I'd say probably the most important thing has been consistency of starting eleven. He for the probably the first time. In a good while, we've been able to put the same team out quite, uh, quite frequently. Obviously, the fitness of Gooch, Gooch coming back into the team is a big plus. I, for one, of I think on this pod before, have said I wasn't a massive Gooch fan, but another bit of humble pie I've had. His performances have been really important over the last few games, especially with Hume down the left. Uh, as John said, Charlie White is in good form at the moment. But I think consistency of selection, you're also seeing... The likes of Ozturk, who's probably going under the radar a little bit, has is, is come on quite a lot. I think the, the trade to back suits him. But I think Parkinson's really been fortunate to have his best 11 out on the pitch on a consistent basis. But I do worry, though, I think maybe to a certain extent, not trying to bring the mood down, but this window's definitely going to be really important for uh, strength and depth. I mean, he's probably got us back to where we where we should be, is which is in the top six at least. But maybe in certain areas of the pitch, we definitely need some uh, reinforcements. We obviously, we got Lafferty in through the week, which was a good signing. I think on a short-term basis, he, he'll get us a few goals before the end of the season. Definitely the wing-backs, we need some help because obviously Hume is probably in the form of his life at the moment. He's probably on, on course for player of the year. and um, I think he has been anyway. And O'Neill obviously isn't really a right-back and McLaughlin behind him isn't a good choice. But um, if we want to push on now and keep playing the way we are, I think with a consistent 11, we probably need a couple of reinforcements. But yeah, sorry, I went off the point a little bit there. Uh, but definitely consistent 11 has been helped and obviously the form of Gooch Wyke and Maguire of course as well who's uh, pitched him in a few goals lately has been really important No, and that's exactly it I think you know, for me the fact that that team has been you know, he's playing the same team week in week out the last few weeks I was always thought with Ross you never quite knew what team he was going to play week to week he's always been, he never seemed to have a set 11 in well, you know, just shy of 18 months that he was here so I definitely think that helps and I agree 100% with you about Gooch now I I actually, I've always said, I've said on here before that I like him. I think he he puts a, you know puts a real shift in, and he seems to have found the right position. I think he's you know he's not a winger, but you know behind Charlie White, he's making you know, he's so energetic. He makes his dart, you know, makes his moves. I think he's been absolutely great, and I think he's been really missed when he was injured. Danny, I'll pass over to you. Obviously, to, you know, give you your opportunity to sort of speak about the weekend. You know, so Parkinson has turned it around. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on it all? I kind of echo what Michael and uh, Wayne say. I mean, John. I kind of... <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> um, he, he got rid of your spag ball there, mate. There was yeah, something, yeah. Something came out. It wasn't quite the right name. Should we actually interrupt Danny just for a moment and, and, and uh, yeah, let, let's yeah. Tell, tell everyone the inside joke or should we just carry on? <laughs> well, which one? The spag ball hairball or the Wayne Rooney situation? Well, or both. 
Yeah, let's do, let's do both. So before, before the podcast started, um, Danny choked on a spag ball hairball, which was hilariously funny. Um, and John's, um, I wasn't saying it to say it to later, but John's got a story about he, he played with an international footballer. John, do you want to tell us more? Not really, no. Um, yeah, just when I played sort of young, young ages, uh, I, I believe, and not many other people believe, that I played against the young Wayne Rooney, but it was a long, long time ago, so... Yeah, believe it if you want. I don't really care if you do or you don't. And if this stays in, fair enough. But I don't know. It's no. it's such a strange joke to make, I think. Hey, private jokes <laughs> are always funny. <laughs> They're always funny to one person, exactly eh? Exactly. This, this, this sort of bullying tactic. <laughs> and, and, and long may it rain. Right, sorry, Danny. So where, where were you then, mate? So you're, you're echoing um, Michael and Wayne. So yeah, so I think I agree to the point that we've finally got a settled eleven. I don't think under Jack Ross we ever had that kind of consistency. We never knew who would start. We never knew who our best eleven was. It was always, oh, it could be this option, it could be this option. With Parkinson, we've actually got a set of formation, a style, and an eleven on the team sheet that we know or we hope is going to play. I could pull out the same kind of players what Michael and John have stated so far, but I want to kind of pinpoint uh, Max Power in particular, he's kind of really became the leader of the team recently. And you can just see that on the pitch. I don't know if he's just putting his shorts up high and a little bit trying to be catamole, but um, I've really noticed it in recent weeks that he's making a great effort for everyone to be together, clap the fans. And to be fair, his performances have been really good. Him and Dobson in the middle, they're covering the full-backs, they're getting the ball, we're not doing stupid things. I'm not seeing Max Power trying to be Steven Gerrard each week. He's kind of playing it smart, playing it across the floor. And I, I just don't know how it's happened. We've become a, a solid, fluid team overnight. And I can't believe that going to the Blackpool and Bolton games, that I will be saying this, what, three, four weeks later, that Sunderland are back in the playoffs, well, playoff spots, and looking very, very good. Just, just sorry, just to come in there. I think you hit the nail on the head there, though. With saying that, it's, I don't, I don't really think it is overnight. I think like since the Blackpool and Bolton game, I think it's gradually got there. Like I, I, I started. I, I, people will disagree with me, but I saw it in. I sort of started to see what you've just been describing there with Max Power and Dobson and and kind of every, everything that we've been talking about. I started to see it coming through in earlier games. You know where we weren't getting you know four nils and three ones, what have you. Um, so I think I think I know it's obviously like it is quite dramatic. We just won four nil, but I think I think it's it was coming, and I kind of felt like I was in my inside timidly quietly i was kind of knowing it was going to happen and i don't know whether knowing it's going to happen hoping it was going to happen yeah literally and and it was more a case of i didn't really want to stick my neck out and say this is getting better when we weren't doing perfect and we weren't doing great and we were letting goals in still etc but i did feel like um things were getting better i just hope now based on what danny's saying and what i've just stuck my neck out and said that the next few games it continues and we're, we're doing as well as we are or or we, we even get better you know and we start sort of absolutely demolishing all the teams we come up against which is what everybody's been expecting us to do for a long time i think i think just um sorry Thank i just no i was just saying uh, i was thinking about this as well the way we're playing under the system that parkinson wants to play with the three at the back and the wing backs in league one it's really hard to play against when where the fitness levels were shown it's so intense it's in your face you could see it for the 
um, the penalty we got, the, the Wickham defenders didn't know what to do. Um, and you can even see the way that, uh, Sheffield, United, Sheffield United play that way as well. And they're going into the championship and they were destroying teams. And then they're going into the Premier League and destroying teams. Like I think for one of our goals on Saturday, Will, it was a Willis who um, was up the right wing and he put a ball across the other side. And uh, then Verhum finished it off. I mean, it's just it's just so intense. It's in your face. It's really aggressive football. And it's it's really, you won't see many teams in the league one that will play like this. And you could see yeah, you it, def- league teams can see like do and Sheffield United are playing that way either. Like yeah, I saw that the other week actually. Now you've said that, it reminded me like Sheffield United. They do that still now. Like you had O'Connell and um, even John Egan used to play for us. You know when he plays for them, he's bombing forward, um, like almost kind of like a second wing back. So so yeah, it's definitely maybe Parker. He just been watching Chris Wilder and, and watching United Sheffield United, and he's trying to pick up some tips, but. Can I just put in another point in, actually? Um, all our attacking play came down from the right-hand side on Saturday. And a lot of people have been saying, oh, Hume and Gooch, that kind of combination down the left, have been really the key, well, one of the plus points of our performances recently. But it was just beautiful triangle play on Saturday. It was Maguire, it was... White was kind of pulling over then. You had 9 and then you even had, obviously, Willis overlapping what you were just saying. And it's just interesting that how Lincoln were kind of doubling up on then the Hume last week and trying to phase them out of the game, that you can do that, but some of them are going to take you down the right-hand side as well and just play as good. So that's just really exciting to know that we we have both wings where we can actually do something, can do damage. Yeah, I, doubt, I doubted that when we played Lincoln, actually, because I, I, I'll echo that. Like, I saw it all come in with Hume and, and I doubted that. And I looked like he disappeared all the way through the Lincoln game. I doubted that we had a right wing at all. And then, like you say, the Wickham game, Hume's probably been involved a third of the time that, that Anayan and and uh, and everybody that was hanging around on the right-hand side was involved. So, yeah, it's definitely enthusing to see that we've got two wings worth of players now. Um, no, it does make a nice change, um, especially on Saturday. We, we could have been about six and up at half-time. You know, it was really, really good to watch. Um, but that's when you know, once he's speaking about like the wings and the positions at the moment, um, and Michael did touch upon it himself, is obviously now we're in the chance we're in the transfer window. Um, we've brought in um Cole Lafferty so far. Um that's the, the only sort of um, person we have brought in. You know, I think we're all quite happy as as of the first eleven, so I'm not gonna sort of be critical of anything on that, but I think you know, the um, squad itself's definitely strengthening. But which positions are you sort of concerned that we've not got the cover for? Um John, I'll let you sort of carry on with that one then, mate. Yeah, I think the obvious one's left back um, and right back. But if I, if I go with left back, I'll let other people talk about the right back. I think purely, look, Hume's good and he's playing well and he's got he's got sort of stats and skills in his locker at the moment. And he's um, he's showing his abilities that he has, you know, cutting in, etc. Um, I just think he has has been inconsistent he might not be inconsistent going forward but he has been inconsistent um and he's a young lad you know he's i know we 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 harp on about him being young and he's actually 23 24 whatever um but this is he hasn't got much first team experience regardless of the level so uh yeah i do think we need a backup left back losing debak i know debak was pretty much like a nothing player and it was it wasn't really worth having him in the squad in the first place but we haven't really got anyone there should Hume get injured. You know, would you would you stick Joel Lynch on the left as the only natural left hand, left footed player? Um, or would you do uh, kind of a Jack Ross favourite and just stick Luke Nine out there because Luke Nine can play in every position ever? Um, so, yeah, I think my, for me, my priority would be left back and right back. But fairly obvious why we need a right back. So, yeah, left back for me. 
Danny, for yourself, what's your sort of thoughts on it? I think the right back is obviously a dead set. Um, again, echo the left back thoughts. We just need strength, depth, and both first positions. I personally would say I'd want a first choice right back or right, uh, right wing back. Um, someone with real good pace, athleticism, who can just bomb forward and just be that attacking outlet on the right hand side because end of the day the left wing back and the right wing back are basically wingers for us at the moment um i know barnsley are trying to sell that caber don't know if i uh, said it right but someone like that mold who's fast big and probably better attacking than he is defending to come in and then you really open up luke nine a little bit and it's it's a shame because with luke then you'll probably get pushed to the bench but what a player you can have on the bench you can play attacking midfield left back right back center midfield I think he could probably play up front and that really adds that kind of strength and depth even more. We definitely need another centre midfielder. Um, I know Parkinson's been talking about Robson, saying he wants to have a look at him and if he does go back to Grimsby or whoever else, then he needs to get bring in another one just because we're going to be light there. I think that has to be the right player. Um, it needs to be, I always say it, but we need a big lad, someone who can get to box a box a little bit or just someone like Dobson again who's high energy get everywhere needs to be help out and you've got power just pulling the strings a little bit and kind of helping on everyone else um we still need pace up top Maguire and Gooch obviously they're the first two but do we get two more there we're talking earlier about Embleton obviously he still has to come back and it would be perfect for that number 10 role uh I don't think it'd be ever a first starter or really pushed to dislodge uh Gooch and Maguire but I want a player who can do that. And I want a proper player. Uh, they keep on talking about, um, Sor- oh, I can't say his name, Sorelmo from Bristol. Um, I kind of wish we went for someone a bit better or more established. Like that knockback hair at Wolves. He's back alone. I don't think Coventry can even afford him. So he's a genuine option. Um, Liam Boyce up top. That'd be good. Maybe another one. So I'll pass it on to Michael. <laughs> so, Michael, Danny Spinner's going to be the whole team then. <laughs> Is there any positions left? Or... Well, I'm not going to ask you then, you did touch on it earlier anyway. What's your thoughts on yeah, no, oh, Lafferty? Lafferty, yeah, it's, I think at first I was a bit, um, I wasn't sure what to think of Lafferty because it's been a bit of a journeyman the last few years. He's been around more clubs than I've had beers lately. But, um, I think no. I think they, like, for six months he'd be a good option, but it, it probably spells the end of um, Will Griggs' miserable year at Sunderland. Laverty will probably start off as second choice really at the moment because you know the way Charlie White is playing, and uh, Parkinson wants to only play one up top by the looks of it. So Laverty would be a good foil to have for um, maybe like 20-25 minutes of the game left. And um, I was listening to the other pod earlier; they were talking about Laverty. They said he's a big game player, so. And I've seen that in the past, even for Northern Ireland and stuff. He scored massive goals for them when they were qualifying for the Euros and stuff. So I think he'd be he'd definitely be a good option uh, coming off the bench and for big games. And we need a few goals coming near the end of the season. Um, but as I was saying, Griggs probably on the way out now, uh, which isn't probably a bad thing. And I could also see, just add on about uh, players you might need. I, I could see maybe Magnolia even as well. Um, I was reading there's a couple of clubs sniffing at him. And I wouldn't be surprised if we cut his loan spell uh, uh, short. And maybe Parkinson will look for another, maybe a different option up top. Maybe Liam Boyce. I don't know. We could we could go for him or someone maybe a bit more with a bit more pace up top, just as a different option. Because if you have Wyke and Lafferty as kind of the target man, it might be good to have someone with a bit more pace. I could see Magnolia leaving, 
on loan or leaving to go on loan for someone else and Greg as well but the thing about Greg is like who will afford his wages as well and I think his reputation is more or less in tatters maybe over the last year as well but yeah uh, I agree with all the other positions. Maybe another, maybe another, um, another striker as well. On top of that, no, no, I agree up front. Though it, it's it'd be good to have options. So you know, it's not just I know Parkinson likes his a certain style, but you know, if if that's not working, you know, we we do need a plan B. So no, I do agree. Can with I that. can I just chuck something in at the end of this? So just thinking about um, what Danny was saying, you know, say we get a right back as priority, frees up Luca Nine a little bit. What's everyone's thoughts on him being? the third choice centre midfielder or uh, third choice number 10 or even, you know, fitting in there where, we, where we're light on backup sort of options because obviously he's played in both of them. He was originally a centre midfielder, but, uh, you know, there's lots of kind of um, inconsistency there. So, you know, if we get a decent right back, we all love Luke and I in, but he's not really a right back. What, what are we going to do with him? I think he's the, the victim of his own versatility nearly, isn't he? Because he kind of reminds you of John O'Shea when he's at Man United. He plays in every position. He's great for a manager. But I think eventually O'Neill's going to have to find a position where he can nail down as his own. But I personally, I actually genuinely think he's a really good right back, right wing yeah. back. Yeah, I agree. And I, I I would probably stick him until the end of the season as our first choice wing back. But I don't know how happy he is in that position or if Parkinson well, wants to keep him in that position. I'm not yeah, sure. I mean, in this system, in this system, especially on Saturday, and I don't know whether it's a little bit of a one-off, but in this system, he really seems to thrive. You know, when he's when he's when he's getting the ball and he's he's having a lot of action down the wing. Like there was times, and I don't know if there's like a heat map to show it or something, but there was definitely times where I was like, "Who's that on the edge of the 18-yard box on the left-hand side there?" Do you know, he, was, he ended up sort of running forward, like in a number 10 position and helping out. You know, when uh, making up the numbers and stuff, and I was just looking at it, I was just thinking, you know, he's getting more involved than I've ever seen him, and he's like arguably on one of the the most sort of like um, outside positions. You know, it's almost like harking back to yesteryear. You know, when you used to have like wingers that you know used to call them inside left, inside right, and everything. They get involved in all sort of action down the middle. So I don't know. I I kind of agree. I think I think maybe he is the first choice, and actually we're looking at a backup, and maybe you're bringing a young lad as a right wing back who's got a bit of pace. But then, you, if that's the case, and we're not going to focus on a first-choice right wing back, echoing what Danny says, the priority then moves to a backup centre midfielder or a backup number ten or somebody that is going to fill those holes. Because you know, anyone, any of those sort of four get injured, you know, Maguire, Gooch, uh, Dobson, and Power. What have we got on the bench? You know, Ledbetter. So we're a bit stumped. Now that, that is one place that definitely needs to um, be replaced is Ledbetter's on the bench. <laughs> Anyone on the bench put in, please. Well, moving on, though. Um, a few, well, when we played Lincoln a couple of months ago away, John very kindly volunteered to do a guide to Lincoln um, for us, obviously letting everyone know where, where to go, where to drink and so forth. It was truly um, epic as well. It was really good. Well, it was, John, and, and because of that, that's what I thought, well, I'm going to try and top it and do my yeah, own guide. Yeah, good luck, good luck, topping it, good luck, good luck. Um, I know, I'm, I'm literally up, you know, I'm, I'm heading towards a fail no matter what because yours was so spectacular. Um, but no, Milton Keynes <laughs> um, on Saturday for us. Um, now, Mil- Mil- to be fair, Milton Keynes is unfairly known as Concrete City. Um, it's actually a really nice place to live. Um, and I'm going to give you a little fun fact um, just to start, though, first. Uh, the Milton Keynes has 22 million trees and shrubs, around 100 for every resident. Um, it also has 180 miles of rideways, footpaths and cycle tracks. Um, unfortunately, if you're, if you're driving to Milton Keynes to go to the game on Saturday, you're going to go to the worst part of Milton Keynes, you're going to go to the match and then you're going to go home. <laughs> I think Milton Keynes is rubbish. Um, 
You'll miss out on all them shrubs. All those shrubs, mate. We've got 100 each. Oh, wow. 100 shrubs. Every... So I go outside and I can cap my 100. Sounds um, like you. It sounds like you've done some research here, Brett. Uh, mate, Google can be your friend. So it's not. It's not just like you, like who can cheat on um, playing away. Well, we all know I, someone like Niall who loves Google, don't we? So. I, I could. I could do my facts as well. Um, but no, the Don's actually got. They've got a really, really nice stadium. Um, it is fantastic, but it is in a retail park. So if you fancy your Nando's or your TJ Fridays or a trip to the cinema, um, IKEA or Pride Markets, it's perfect. Um, for a pre-match pint, it isn't the best. Um, now, there is a pub nearby called the Inn on the Lake. Now, just to warn you, um, it's they get a bit funny sometimes with away fans, so big groups probably won't get in. Um, you know, if it's just a couple of you, there'll probably be no problems. What a lot of people do, if you're driving into Milton Keynes, um, you probably have the best off heading to Fenny Stratford, um, which is about a 20-minute walk to the ground, or head towards Central Milton Keynes, where there's loads of decent pubs, Weatherspoons, there's you know, the big one there that is the main away fans kind of meeting point. Um, there's things like Brew Dogs, um, all bar ones there. Don't bother going to Bletchley Town Centre. Um, it's, yeah, don't do it. Um, save, save yourself the, the time. If you do fancy um, a nice cheap drink in you know, nice little towns, Newport Pagnall, where I actually do live, um, just on the edge of Milton Keynes, and Stony Stratford, Really, really good towns for a drink. Um, loads of pubs. Go down there. That's, you know, there's some really good places to go. Um, and then, if, however, you know you're, you're getting down, you're driving down, and you need to park. Sorry, um, there is parking at the ground. It's seven pounds. You've got to book for it. Don't park at ASDA. It's two pounds. Um, sorry, it's two pounds. It's for two hours only. There's a massive ASDA next door. Don't park in there. You'll get fine sixty quid. Best of the loads of industrial sites around the ground um, parking there most of the businesses if, if any charge um, so yeah parking you know in the businesses nearby do not park in the Asda um, if you're staying and, and why would you not want to you can steal those bridleways do some indoor skiing and skydiving so yeah that's my very quick round up to Milton Keynes um, if you didn't need any tips there find me on um, Twitter MK underscore Mac and I'll tell you exactly where to park um, but yeah John probably wasn't as good as yours mate but I didn't drone on for no. about an hour yeah, that was excellent, Brett. Bravo. Right. Um, coming up next, I have just been speaking um, for this pod to uh, Glenn Hutchinson from the Greater Manchester Branch. Um, so, yes, this is what he had to say. So, we've had um, in recent weeks the North American branch on, we've had the Australian branch on, and today I'm actually speaking to the Greater Manchester branch. So, as I say, we want to be speaking to more and more branches, not just around the world, but in the UK as well, um, because we want to hear your guys' stories. Today I'm with Glenn Hutchinson, who runs the Greater Manchester branch. Glenn, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, Brett. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm not too sure if I'm sort of saying Happy New Year to people still. It's that awkward mid-January where New Year's Eve yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, you've been back to work a week or so, so it's, it's, it does seem a long time ago, and it's, it's quite easy just to get back into routine, yeah. That's exactly it. And I suppose at the moment you're in um, very high spirits after um, Saturday's game. Yeah, Saturday was very encouraging. You know, it's sort of leading up in December, there's some really poor performances we watched in December. And I think... Boxing Day seemed to be a turning point. You know, Boxing Day nil-nil against Bolton was was just very flat. Uh, our branch, you know, it's a twelve-hour day for us to go to home games, so making that journey back, it, it it was quite difficult. But you know, then going to Doncaster, Doncaster was a fantastic first half. 
away at Fleetwood, we should have got it. You know, we're robbed by a referee's decision. Um, we should have won a 3-1 with the chances that we had. I don't know what the what the turn is, but something's turned and something's happening. So, yeah, it, the, it makes the journey back a lot better when you see a performance like we did on Saturday. Getting yeah. to come home after defeat is absolutely horrible. You know, yeah. I got stuck. I got stuck once in traffic after the um, the Newcastle game. It was the Easter weekend one, um, and I was stuck in traffic for about seven eight hours, and I didn't mind a jot because <laughs> we'd won. So yeah, it makes yeah. it a yeah. lot easier getting home. It does. It makes it makes the, the whole trip a lot lot a lot better, a lot not nice to do out. It does. That's right. Um, but Glenn, what I want to start off with though is speaking first a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you've got a bit of a northeast accent. Yeah. Um. I mean, I. Moved to Manchester in 1985 uh, as a student, so I, I lived in Burtley, you know, sort of between Sunderland and Newcastle. So Burtley was a pretty much 50-50. Uh, well, perhaps more more black and white than it was red and white, but that's it was a family thing. So at 18 year old, I left the northeast, came to Manchester as a student, and met the missus down here, and I've just stayed in the Manchester area ever since. And that's pretty similar to a lot of sort of branch members you know they're, they're either exiles like myself or you're the second generation exiles family moved down because of work in the northeast or you know some some people just choose Sunderland you know and we're not going to turn them away as branch members um that, that's the team that they want to choose and they want to come and watch games with us that's absolutely fine but yeah I, I've lived here more years in Manchester than I'd had in the northeast now so you know 30 odd years I've lived down here so for yourself as you mentioned about sort of traveling back to home games how many games do you sort of get to a season well, as a branch, we put on a coach for every home game. Well, every home game on a Saturday or Sunday, we will guarantee to put that on. If it's a midweek game, obviously because of work commitments, people struggle and you know we have to sort of canvas how many people will we get. Now, for the game against Doncaster coming up on the Friday night, um, we just didn't get enough people to run that coach. We, we, we had one booked for the Saturday. We had to cancel it. Um, but we So with home games, you know, we, we'll tend to do... 15, 16 home games um, on the coach, and then away games. We tend to we tend to select our away games because the you know if we're doing a 12 hour day return for a, for every other week for a home game, we're not sort of travelling down to Portsmouth um, or down to Southend for 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 um, putting a coach on. So we tend to just do quite local ones. You know, so far this season we've had coaches to Accrington, Lincoln, Doncaster, and Fleetwood. We've got one booked for Tranmere. We've got quite a few people fancy Tranmere. Uh, two weeks tomorrow and then beyond that we'll probably look at Coventry, Blackpool, Burton, Rotherham so you know we get about seven or eight in a season we normally get about seven or eight coach trips to away games and the majority of, of home games as well. Oh, that's fantastic that's great going um, yep. so for yourself what was your actual because obviously you, you run it so are you just I know we mentioned beforehand there was you and some other guys as well and you yeah you yeah know, you're, 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 it's not all down to me. There's a sort of three of us who, who do all, all the work for it. Um, I mean, the, the Greater Manchester branch first was founded in 1997. You know, so we, we've we've been going 22 years now, and it was set up by a guy called Dave Bowman. Um, Dave Bowman set it up. It was the, the season we got relegated in '97 uh, down at Wimbledon, and the, he said, you know, there was 13,000 Sunderland fans there that, that night. And he said he looked around all the sort of different flags. There was flags from all over the place there. So he decided, I said, well, you know, coming from Greater Manchester, which has got a big conurbation area, he says, we should be able to get enough to, to, to set up a branch there. So he set it up going in you know, 1997 and he ran the branch for, for a good period of time. I only sort of got on board probably, um, I think around about 2005, 2006. I, I just sort of going with the branch, just traveling the games with them. 
helped out with a bit of sort of doing a bit of treasurer role. But then in 2013, when um, the club appointed Paolo De Canio, Dave, um, you wouldn't mind me saying this, you now spoken to him earlier today, and you know. Dave, like a lot of people from the from the north, he's he's quite a staunch socialist, and mm-hmm. you know he, he 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 fell out with the club when they appointed Dicanio, and he says I, I don't want anything to do with it. So he resigned his position as chairman of the branch, and myself and a fellow called Martin Sire, we sort of took over the running of it at that point. As soon as Dicanio disappeared off the scene, Dave's come back. So, he, but he's he's retired now, Dave. So he just sort of takes a bit of a backseat, but helps out particularly on our, on our Twitter account. You know, we've got over 2,000 followers on the Twitter account, primarily because of how Dave runs it. It's the three of us at the moment. It's myself, Martin, and Dave who sort of do all the, the hiring of coaches, sorting tickets out, applying for tickets. Yeah, the three of us do that. So, so you're, you're the, the greater Manchester area. So for people who don't know what's sort of there, obviously you cover Manchester, but where else does that actually cover? Greater Manchester is sort of a, uh, you know, it covers Salford, it covers Prestwich, for our coach journey, we 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 start off in Manchester City Centre. Um, we pick up outside a hotel at five to nine on a Saturday morning. It then comes south. We come to Stockport and we pick up a, a group of people in Stockport. We go around the orbital motorway around the M60 to North Manchester, Prestwich. We pick up in Prestwich and then we head off to Leeds. We pick up a few people sort of at Junction 24 on M62 and then go to Thirsk. Our branch members come from quite a wide Friday outside of Greater Manchester, we we've got regular travellers on the bus who'll come from Stoke, so they'll perhaps get a train up from Stoke to Manchester and then join the coach. We've got fellas who come from Merseyside as well, Derbyshire from Buxton, from uh, so they come from quite a way to to get to us first and then travel up on the coach as a branch. So you know that my day is a twelve-hour day because I live quite close to Stockport, but their days can be you know thirteen, fourteen-hour days by the time they get to the coach and then. When the return journey, getting home again. God, that's unbelievable. When you think you do, you took, you're doing all of that to see us like draw nil nil with Bolton. It's almost one that just be mad, don't you? It's yeah. It, you go for the sort of camaraderie. Yeah, we're all there to support the lads. The, it's the banter on the bus on the way up there. I think we like to think we run this branch particularly well. You know, there's, there's no banging on the windows, no mooning that sort of thing. But um, <laughs> We, we, we stop off in Thirsk, and we've done this traditionally since the branch started. We have an hour in Thirsk for, for a pub call. We'll have a few pints in there. And it's, you know, by the way, you've had a few pints there, and it's, it's all right, come on, let's, it's time to get back on the bus. And yeah. it's often, you know, it's in the bad times, it's, do we have to? Can we not just stop in the pub here? Pick us up on the way back. You know, it's, it's it, you're getting together with a, a group of mates, and it's all that's what the branch is all about, is just travelling to games like that and, and, and having a, a good laugh together. No, that is what it's all about. So there's so many times I've come away from like from a match and thought, do you know what? That was a great day at the football, just ruined by the football <laughs> every time. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, as we said, you know, we've we've, we've seen we've turned a corner. Let's let's yeah. hope we can con- continue. No, that's exactly it. So let's be more positive. So, how many members do you have overall at the branch? We charge a five pound a year annual membership, and for we have about fifty two who pay that. Um, I think that there was a couple just paid recently to do that. But we also have something called a 550 membership. Now, 550 people pay five pound direct debit, uh, a standing order a month. Uh, that gets them slightly reduced fares on the coach. You know, we try to keep fares reasonable. We charge if you're a 550 member, it's, it's a 19 pound return from Manchester compared to trains. Trains are sort of between 40 and 50 quid, so we keep our fares as, as low as possible. Those 550 members, we've got about 90 of those. 
So in terms of paying members, you know, we've got about 140 paying members this year. It, it varies. Do you have like many meetups um, for when, you know, either to watch games, I suppose, or for just like annual sort of meetups as well? It, we haven't had sort of branch meeting for for a while now. Uh, it, you know, it's because of the radius that a lot of people are from um, outside of Manchester. We tend to have a, a meeting if we can get a, a name there. Uh, and over the years, you know, we've had some some big names come down. You know, we, we had um, Niall Quinn when he did a, a sort of tour of various branches. We had about two. We had, hired a room at Edgeley Park for that one, and you know, we had about two hundred people there that night. We filled oh, up. Wow. Dennis Cheward sort of is from lives in the Manchester area now, so he's done about three branch meetings. He was our very first guest at the branch. He got come along more out of curiosity to see what was going on. But you know, Dennis is always sort of quite happy to to drop in and do those things. But we were very disappointed when we, when we celebrated our twentieth anniversary. We we tried to get Peter Reid, and you know, at, at I spoke to him a couple of times on the phone and he was quite happy to say, yeah, I'm quite happy to do that. But when it was passed on to his sort of office or his secretary, it all, we couldn't just agree. We couldn't agree a date at the time. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we missed out on that. So in terms of a branch meeting like that, we haven't had one for a while. I think, you know, we would wait until somebody um, perhaps releases a, a new book and then when they've got something to sell, they might come down then. But in terms of getting to the pub, well, we go to most home games anyway. So last season, you know, when we played in the, the semi-final of the Checker Trades, when we played the, the playoff semi-final, that was a weird Bristol Rovers, a weird Portsmouth. We used a couple of pubs in town in still Manchester City Centre. It was the Tib Street Tavern and the pub called the Seven Oaks. So it tends to be sort of ad hoc. You know, when, yeah. when there's a game on telly that we can't make it, we'll we'll just name a pub, we'll put advertise on social media where we're going to be, you know, and we'll get a big crowd in there, a big group. We'll sort of contact the pub first make sure it, it's, it's okay that it's for us to go in i think you know, when we i think we get about normally it's about 30 people will turn up when we have those in town and we just go and watch a game there oh superb at least you get a bit of atmosphere then don't you yeah yeah it's it's it might be sort of difficult that game coming up on against doncaster you know, to be moved to a, a friday night but getting a place in, in manchester on a friday night that's going to show sunderland doncaster might be might be difficult um so we'll, we'll have to sort of try and pick that a bit more uh, selectively, but yeah, you do get quite an atmosphere. It's it's great in there, you know. When, when if, I mean, for those two games, the semi-finals, which we you know won both of them, everyone was like buzzing afterwards because everyone's then planning their trip to Wembley. Yeah, no, that was exactly it. So, if anybody's wanting to get in touch with the branch though and, and, and get involved, how's the best way of doing it? We're still quite old-fashioned in terms of the majority of stuff we do is is email. You know, we 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 don't have a Facebook page, but our email address is Manchester Branch which is all one word, lowercase, manchesterbranch at hotmail.co.uk. Anyone who wants any info, they can just um, email that. And, you know, we, we've got a sort of standard letter, how to, how to join. But we also as have a big Twitter account. You know, we've got over um, 2,000 followers on Twitter. So our Twitter is at GTRMC, like Greater Manchester, GTRMCSAFCSA. Perfect. Well, that's exactly that. Well, it's been great speaking to you, Glenn. Um, and as I say, if anybody wants to get in touch with the Greater Manchester branch, you know, give the guys a shout. You know, it's, it seems like you know, it seems like you've got a good crowd. You know, if you go into games regularly, and that, and as we said, you know, that is what it's all about. You know, sometimes the football's not great. Sometimes it's absolutely brilliant. But you can have a laugh with your mates. What more do you? That, want? That's it. It, it. It's it's yeah. It's a travelling as a group. You see, 
the same people sort of you know, week in week out um, you know and, and we you know we, we you recognize other branches when you're traveling away to away games you sort of get together you perhaps meet at a, a bit of pub you, you bump into them the, the same way so it, it's it is nice to just sort of see that regular face and touch base with some guys but traveling with the branches it's great in that you know you can take the mick out of each other you can have a laugh together <laughs> it's it's so you know it's, it, it is it's good it's good fun and when the team's doing well it's even better brilliant perfect Glenn, thank you very much for your time. It's been great speaking to you. No problem, Brett. Very nice to speak to you. Take care, mate. That was Glenn from the Greater Manchester branch. So if you want to get in touch with the guys on Twitter, it will be in the link um, on for this pod. Go find the guys on there. Really good bunch of guys by the sounds of it. Now it is time for Playing Away. Now, this is that time every week where I pick a game and the guys have to find it. Now, I'll whiz through the instructions because everyone knows how to play it now. Um, I've picked a game. Um, this one is from the 10th of January 2009. Um, it wasn't the one I was going to originally pick, lads, so you do have to try and find all 11 players. Um, the guys take it in turns to pick a player from the starting 11. They have two lives. They pick a wrong player or pass. They lose a life. If they name a sub, they get another go. Um, winners are last man standing um, in the zone. Both losing life on the same go, sudden death. If all players named, well, two are still there, they both get a point. Winner gets two points. Um, at the end of the season, we will see who comes out on top. Um, so, guys, today's game is uh, the way one. It was on, let's say, the 10th of January 2009. Middlesbrough won, Sunderland won. Uh, Ricky Sprazier was our manager, and we were wearing our blue and black Umbro kits with the Boyle Sports sponsor. Um, let's go for John to go first. Oh, that's not fair. Jesus, I hate going first. Oh, um, Right, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, 2009. 2009. So Ricky Sprage is the manager. Right. Um, we drew one all. And right. I always, I always think the kit helps. It's the blue and black or like striped umbro kit we had. Yeah, this is going to be quite tough because this will be um, an era where we probably had a decent sized squad um, of people who you'd expect to be playing. Um, I'm trying to think of an easy one to get started. Um, who would have been up front? Who would have been up front? Who would have been up front? I'll go with Darren Bent. John's one life down already. Oh Darren my Bent God. is not there. Um, Michael, let's go over to you next. Okay. Uh, Ricky Sprager was the manager, you said? Yes, he was. So. Okay. So this is Roy Keane days. That's exactly I was going to say. It's pretty, pretty much Keane's it's, team, really. This is, this, this, is, this is the prime of my Sunderland supporting days. There he goes. He's, he's going to name them all one time. <laughs> I, I should at least get one right. Um, one, I don't really remember the game. But so Keane was just sacked. Um, I'm assuming our strikers were, we had Jones and Cease. I'll go with Jones, Kevin Jones. Right, so you've got Kevin Jones, you're giving Danny the next one. Go on, Danny. Yeah, I, I, think, this, there. <laughs> I think this one's actually quite easy. Uh, I'll go for Cease, but I know another. So Cease is where I what Jones and Cease up front. Great partnership, them two. Um, right, John, you need to get one of your out, mate. Brilliant. Um, We've had no one actually fall without getting any right, have we? <laughs> no Thanks pressure, for that. mate. Thanks for that. Um, I think, right, I'm, I, I'm actually, it's sort of coming through the haze a bit now, like, because I think I can picture the kit and I can picture Cissé and Jones together. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to stump with uh, the late Martin Fulop in goal. Correct. Martin Fulop. Oh, thank God for that. that. Uh, Michael, you'll go. Okay. So we have our two strikers and we have the goalie. <clears throat> um, 
trying to think of a central midfielder. But this is the year we bought all those lads from Spurs as well, isn't it? You love giving everybody else loads of clues, don't you? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking out loud here. Um, Team Utanio. He was not in the first 11. Um, oh. He was on the bench, though, so you get another go. Um, Tanya. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go with one of the other. I'll go with Mal Bronk. Seriously, you, you, you went. Yeah, we saw no Spurs players. The first one that comes to mind is Tino Tanya and not Steve Mal <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think outside the box. <laughs> Steve Mal Bronk's in the team. Uh, Danny, your go. Steve Mal Bronk was my one. Uh, um, hmm. This is not going to go well. Um, C. Say Jones were at top. So that's the strikers done. Wingers, defenders. You can uh, pass. Uh, no, 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 no. It's not cheap. That's not pass. Um, well, we'll, we'll then. <laughs> go on, I'm going to go for one. It might not be. Oh, actually, no. Tottenham. Chimbonda. There you go. Yeah. Well, I was up the same. So uh, Pascal Chimbonda's in Sorry. Um, John, still got that life gone, though. Who's next? Oh, um, uh, Jesus. This is scary. Uh, I'm literally actually- like. I actually thought this would be a lot easier. This one, to be fair. Yeah, but I think yeah, uh, the thing the thing with me with these squads is the players that we've all just been talking about. I feel like they blur into other squads. Like I think some of them stayed longer than others, etc. Like Malbrank and people like that. So now it's like because you've said Malbrank, I'm thinking of loads of other players that probably weren't in that team. I'm going to play safe though because I remember him always playing with Fulop. Um, and I'm going to go with um, Niall's best mate, Danny Collins. Danny Collins is in the team. Oh, thank God for that. Jesus. So, Michael, you, you, you're up next to give your answer and probably about, th- like, you know, clues for three other players. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my thoughts in my head when I'm saying <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> um, simple one that's come into my head just for, just I remember, for the, um, was, I'm nearly going to say, give another clue there, um, Richardson. Keir Richardson's playing. He's in. Daddy. You've got uh, th- four players left. So we've got the goalkeeper, so we've got the right back. Okay, so, so we've got Martin Fulop in goal. Pascal Trimbonda would have been uh, right back. Danny Collins, uh, been low- uh, yeah, you've got Danny Collins, you've got Steve Malbronk, Kieran Richardson, Kenwin Jones, Divrell Cisse, uh, and Timo Tanio was on the bench. You're back on Danny Collins. I think that's where you're going with that. Sorry? Were you going to say Danny Collins was left back then? Well, I was trying to work out the team. It's two centre-backs. And it's... Uh, was Bramble still there? Hmm. What was it? Look at, yeah, well, I was going to say, look at that. I guess if you just guess Bramble. No, no, I'm not guessing Bramble. Well, you, I'm not guessing. Bramble. There's three... There's two... There's, there's what, Michael you, Jackson. There's Bramble. There's Turner. I don't think those a, two were there, though. You need, you need to pick somebody. Ferdinand. Michael Ferdinand. Jackson. And on Ferdinand, Michael yeah. Jackson. Do you know Spurs game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the boost. Never. He never. So, what was it? When he's going to score a goal, he's going to do that little like Michael Jackson dance. He finally scores a goal, does his dance, and he gets ruled offside. Oh. <laughs> Some finish, though. Some finish. <laughs> a good finish. Right. So, uh, who's up after that? Actually. Right. So, John's up next. Right. So, because. Danny has gone through about 15 centre-backs. Um, I might try and plump for Anton's partner. Um, I'm not sure whether he said him or not, but I've got a feeling it wasn't Michael Turner. It was Nugsy, Naren Nosworthy in that game. Well done. No, I can no, picture him. I can picture his muscle-bound body in the blue and white and blue and black. So, 
Uh, Michael, back to you then. So we've got two players left. So I'll, I'll whiz through the team uh-huh. again. So Mar- Martin Phillips in goal. We've got the back four sorted. So it's Pascal Chimbond and Danny Collins as fullbacks. No one knows where they and Anton Ferdinand um, cent- uh, centre backs. You've got uh, in midfield Steve Mudronk, Kieran Richardson, um, and then up front Kenman Jones and Dibrell Cisse. See, it depends on Richardson where he played as well. That chap played. He's had his Luke on nine now, played nearly every <laughs> position for us. Uh, okay, I'm trying to think of Roy Keane players. Uh, is another shot in the dark. Was Dwight York still there? Dwight York. Oh, he was still there. He was on the bench. <laughs> you <laughs> I've named half the bench. <laughs> okay. Um, so do, I, do I go again? You have to go again. I'm going to have to start rushing you guys here. So. Okay. Uh, midfield. Oh, um, oh, Dean Whitehead. Dean Whitehead was in the same First 11. Lovely. So we've got one player left, Danny. Was Daryl Murphy on the left? Daryl Murphy. Or right. Daryl Murphy was on the bench. So you get to go again. What position's left? Um, I, I don't know what position he's got played for us. Maybe one of, uh, I know who it like is. Cent- no, I mean, that'd be like a centre, in the centre sort of thing without giving too much away, I suppose. In the centre? I think I know who it is. Well, it's, I, yeah, I don't want to give out away. It's, I'm not telling you where he played. Uh, I was going to say <laughs> Carlos Edwards. Was he still there? Was he still broken? No, Carlos Edwards came on, but he was on the bench. For God's sake. Uh, I'll let John get it, because I don't know it. So you've passed it. John? Was it the ultimate shit house? Carry on. Uh, El Hadjadu? There we go. Yes. Get in there. <laughs> I think going forward, we'll do time loops with everyone that game. I, so, I, actually um, remember, I actually remember if it gets me any extra points. I remember um, another of the subs. Uh, Colin Healy, no. is that right? No, Colin Healy no, no, just not broke Colin Healy. Colin Healy. Da- no. no, David Healy. Oh, David Healy. Oh, yeah, I was getting them both mixed up. Which one played centre mid? Colin, Colin Healy played centre mid, didn't he? Colin Healy was centre mid, yeah. Out of, no, yeah. Got, that Sorry. Out of curiosity, who was the goalie on the bench if Gordon wasn't playing? Nick was on the bench? Colgan. Nick Colgan. Nick Colgan. Oh, Irish <laughs> <Yeah>. veteran. <laughs> Nick Colgan on the bench. So, Middlesbrough 1, Sunderland 1. Uh, your full 11 was Martin Fuller, Pascal Chimbanda, oh. Danny Collins, Dean Whitehead, Nine Nosworthy, Anton Ferdinand, Steed Mabronk, Kim Richardson, Kim Jones, Dibrell Cisse, El Hadj Juf. Can I reclaim by, uh, claim a point by saying Julio Arca? <laughs> <laughs> he had to have played against us, surely. So, uh, I heard him, oh, did he play against us? He did. He was played against us. Um, as was Stuart Downing. So... That's a fun little fact. Now, moving on again, um, as always, uh, the thing I love most about doing the local four pods, um, it's not the fame or the money it brings or the fact that women throw themselves at you or you're constantly writing statements. It's even your stories. Um, so I put out on Twitter yesterday a load of questions. Um, and one answer in particular came back and it set off an, a new branch of questions um, and he was answering to Sunderland's unluckiest fan now we've done this um, the last time I was on where we were trying to find who basically was your, your longest losing run you've been to and actually was um, one from our own uh, stable was a bomber who seemed to have been to like four wins in 20 years or something absolutely ridiculous um, but a guy um Messing me yesterday, say uh, called uh, he was ha- Harry Adoes. Um, he responded saying that he'd um, he's, I've taken my girlfriend who isn't bothered about football to five Sunderland games now to try and get her involved. Not only has she never seen us win, she's never seen us score. Now, 
I don't know about you, but you can just imagine it'd be bad enough watching Sunderland not win any games, not score any goals, but then to have your missus sort of turn to you, go like, do you actually enjoy coming here? You know, do you actually enjoy <laughs> watching this? Um, so then I put out the question um, to try and basically, have you tried to get your partner involved with Sunderland? You know, have you got them to go to the games? Um, you know, ask girlfriends or, you know, or boyfriends, doesn't matter. Um, and Jimmy McCulloch uh, did respond. And he said, I took my missus to Bolton away, which was Bruce's first game. And we had a huge argument in the car on the way. When we got to our seats... She pulled a Hello magazine out of a bag and decided to read it cover to cover during the game without looking up once. Two old boys sat next to us looking disgusted. It was a £42 ticket. Now, I think that says it all, really. Now, I'll open up to you guys. Um, you know, out of all of us, we're all either you know, married or have, have girlfriends. You know, we have, we have got the vocal rapport wags. Um, have any of you guys actually tried to take your, take your missus to the game? I've got an interesting one, actually. My missus has never seen someone lose at the Stadium of Light, ever. How many times she been, though? Um, she went quite a lot last season, quite a few times. Uh, I think she's been to four this season. She okay. went to a couple of away games last year. She's only seen us lose once, and I think she's been to about 15 games. But is it, is it, aren't, like, you're quite unlucky yourself, though, aren't you? Who, me? Yeah. Um... Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I am quite. I haven't seen us win away. I I didn't see us win away last season. I went to... I think I went to at least 20 games last season. I'm saying I'm living in Lincoln. It's not too bad. Um, I didn't see us win once away from home. It was all 1-1 draws, apart from Czech trade final, which we drew, again, technically. And obviously the playoff final. That's the only game my missus has seen us lose, is a uh, playoff final. Get get a season ticket then, mate. (laughs) <laughs> um, oh. Mike, have you ever tried getting your girlfriend to uh, to come to the game? Uh, my girlfriend, she she brought me last year to um, Coventry away in the Rico Arena, but she uh, she got tickets for the home end. I don't think she really understood the home and away segregation. Oh, so we were, sit- <laughs> we were we were sitting in the home end anyway. But I remember Cadmo scored there in the second half. My I nearly jumped up. She dragged me down straight away and she's like, I don't think you're allowed to cheer in here. I was like, I know. <laughs> but I couldn't help myself. But um, no, that's the only time she came with me in fairness. She brought it as a birthday present. I think she kind of felt bad for me for spending all my money going over there and not seeing many wins in the last few years. So yeah, that was the only only experience I've had. Fair play to Well, actually, my, my missus went for a little while um, to games. Um, we went, when, this was years ago. When we had Darren Bent um, up front for us, we beat Arsenal 1-0. And um, I was sat behind the goal, but I was literally right on the end of the row. Um, so I was at, like the steps next to me, right in the middle of the goal. Um, we scored in the second half, like of the coach. It was a really good game, actually. We scored, like, we scored. He went running off towards the corner flag. And I don't know what overcome me, but I kind of leapt down the stairs and went running towards the corner flag. Now, I think, you know, I've got back to my seat afterwards, and she's like just laughing her head off. And I said, What's the matter? Just, I fell on the floor. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, when he scored, everyone jumped up and the guy next to her, like, not accidentally sort of like nudged into her. She thought I was still standing there, but I'd, you know, run 50 metres in about seven seconds. And she literally fell on the floor and started running downstairs. So, uh, yeah, she uh, she wasn't too pleased with me about that. <laughs> that was my little story of bringing my wife to the football. Um, 
The last one um, I never did get was a quite nice one, actually. Is this uh, going back to uh, the Roker Park days from Alan Blackburn? Um, he sent a message saying um, he used to actually take a little four-legged stool into Roker Park for my girlfriend to stand and under my coat. It worked a treat. Um, there's no way she would she would um, she would have gone otherwise unless Willie Morgan was playing for Man United. <laughs> Good days. So there's one for you. Um, if you've got any funny stories or anything else, or get in touch with us. Um, go on the Roker Report pod Twitter. Um, I'm always asking questions out there. So, you know, I say more, more of your um, unlucky, if you're the luckiest or unluckiest fan, um, like, uh, like Michael was just then um, in the wrong ends. Um, nightmare away journeys, games postponed, just strange and funny things you've heard, seen at the match. Just get in touch with us. You know, we'd love to hear from you. And um, any of you, you know, if you've got any branch news you want us to read out, or come on the branch yourselves, just like the, the Greater Manchester branch did today. Um, but that is it for us this week, chaps. Been another fun one. Um, John, Michael, Danny, thank you all for being with us. Thank you for having yeah, us. Thanks, Brett. See you later. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, speak you, I'll speak to you all soon. Take care now. Cheers. Danny's going to make me sick. <laughs> Tired of having some humble pie. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.